Hi, my name is Andrew Caprodi, and this is who I am. Good, thank you. How are you? I'm very good. Thanks for asking. Yeah. Um, so uh, I finally got you on the show. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and um, so you're you're an animator and a illustrator. Yes, that's correct. I mostly animate, more of an illustrate nowadays. But yeah. Mm-hmm. And is that something that um, is that something you've always been doing, or is that something that you've you've moved into um, as you learn? Uh, skills through life or is that something that's always interested um, you? When I grew up, my my mom and my dad are both uh, artists. Mm-hmm. So I grew up kind of like in a very accepting of art environment. Right. Um, my mom's an architect and my dad was a filmmaker. He, he made chocolate for a long time though. It's really weird. Mm. <laughs> um, so I've always kind of had like the, the I want to make art when I grow up too. Not as a job, but like at least for fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when I was looking at colleges, I found out that, oh, you can actually make cartoons as a job. <laughs> so I ended up applying for an animation course in Sarasota, Florida, at the Ringling College of Art and Design. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I found out that I could be a 3D animator. So I do mostly 3D animation stuff. Mm. Um, my 2D stuff is okay, but 3D is much funner, mm. much more fun. I'm not good <laughs> at English. But <laughs> uh, where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up in Puerto Rico, but oh, okay. my mom, I'm a first generation American. So mm-hmm. my mother is from Brazil and my dad is from Italy. Uh, they met and got married in, in London, actually. Like in oh, England. wow. <laughs> and for some reason, they ended up in Puerto Rico and I was born there. So I'm the first American in my family, the only one. Wow. And you, you speak quite a lot of languages because of that mix, right? Because of uh, all the different languages that you encountered. Yeah, so I my first language was Portuguese because it's what we speak in Brazil. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then my second language was English. My father never taught me Italian. Mm. I think because he was angry at his family <laughs> <laughs> when I was growing up. But he taught me English. And so my English, I developed my English pronunciation before I started learning Spanish. Mm-hmm. So that's why even though I'm born and raised in Puerto Rico, my pronunciation is a little bit better mm. than people who normally are. Because hmm. I cheated, I didn't do anything. I was just a baby. <laughs> <laughs> Did um, were you introduced to a lot of uh, other influences like art and and um, uh, storytelling influences from all the different cultures that you grew up around as well? Or yeah, so I remember I grew up a little bit in Brazil, and um, before I went to school, I lived in Italy. I think for a year because mm-hmm. my parents my parents had the opportunity to do that as well. And I remember in, in, in Europe, the the art and the comics culture is very different than the one it is in in the United States. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember just going up to, like, a newsstand and just being able to pick up any kind of comic ever. And then, like, the same when I was in Brazil, too. Like, it just seemed a bit more accessible. Mm-hmm. So I grew up reading a, like reading a bunch of different comics that no one... No one that I went to school with in Puerto Rico or in Florida like actually knew about, uh, which I think is something that happens to any other expat. <laughs> <laughs> but 
So you make references and people are like, I've never heard of this show before. And I'm like, no, no, it was a really big thing growing up. And it's the same. The the thing that I also interest, got really interested in was also um, I love anime. Like Japanese animation was like one of the first pieces of animation that I got really, really into. It mm-hmm. seemed like a very interesting style. Um, and I incorporated a lot into the kind of stuff that I do both on my, at, my j- at my day job at Rooster Teeth and um, as an illustrator. Uh, but the the influence of Japanese animation in Brazil and in Italy was a lot more than it was in the states. Mm-hmm. So this kind of had had a wider a wider a wider net to pull from. Right. I what think do you is the best way to put it? Yeah. What do you think are, 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 are the big differences in storytelling techniques from in the, those different worlds? What do you think is I is the biggest change that you've seen since? Uh, in terms of, of anime versus American animation? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think a lot of it comes from American animation, and it's it's changing more nowadays, but um, there's still a very big emphasis in wanting to make animation strictly for children, mm-hmm. uh, which is also the case in Japan, but like Japan also has had the foresight to know that, like, oh, this is just a different art style. This isn't something that has to be specifically for kids. Mm-hmm. It's something that we can also, um, that can also be consumed by adults and by people in high school and by like, by like your grandma and grandpa, the entire family. Uh, and so I think they had a much, had, they had less fear going into like deeper, um, more adult themes when it came to their storytelling and animation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's the main thing. Hmm. I mean, now 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 here in, in in the United States, like people my age and people like my mom still like watches a bunch of cartoons too. Mm-hmm. Um, but even the word cartoon is something that, like, you say cartoon and you're like, oh, so the stuff that like little kids watch. And it's like, no, mm. I watch Steven Universe. I'm 25 years old. My mom my mom loves Cora. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's the emphasis on animation being something that everybody can consume and not just putting your little toddler in front of the TV and having them watch it. Yeah. Yeah. And as, as it, uh, it seems like there's more of a, a, a sense of like long form storytelling as well that comes from. Yeah. Yeah. That too. It's, um, there's a lot, a lot of cartoons for children, even also like in, in Japan, um, are very monster of the week mm-hmm. and very like, you don't have to know the entire story. You just need to like watch one episode and like that one episode is compact enough. You have all the information that you need to like understand it and to have fun with it, which is fine. But I think I personally like it when it's a show that I invest myself in. Yeah. But that's personal preference. I think just growing up watching a bunch of different Japanese animation shows. (laughs) Um, You, you went to college in uh, Florida, you said. I did. Um, And is that, did you, um, go from Puerto Rico to Florida. Is that the, or were you? Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. um, how was that? How was Florida? Uh, it was fine. And, <laughs> 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 uh, in all truth, I love my school. I went to Ringling College of Art and Design. I had a major, major, ma- major, major, I had a major mm-hmm. in computer animation and a minor in business. Cause I wanted to appease my dad. Mm-hmm who's a business businessman and was like, you should at least learn business, which is something I'm very thankful for. Yeah. Um, but I went there straight from living in Puerto Rico. And even though I'm an American citizen and I was like born and raised like technically in America, mm-hmm. 
uh, I was still able to move in on the same day that all the international students moved in because I wasn't able to drive over and stuff. So that was <laughs> it was nice to cheat and be like kind of American. Mm. Um, but Florida also has like a very big like Puerto Rican population because we're so close, mm-hmm. <laughs> so close to the island. So yeah. I knew a lot of people going into college that like we didn't know each other before college. But like because the island is so small, we just kind of knew of each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was nice. I went to... I went to, like I said, I went to Ringling College. It's in Sarasota, Florida, which is an hour, an hour south of Tampa, mm-hmm. I think. And uh, it's very much a retirement town. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was nothing really to do there except study. <laughs> so I was really thankful to not have any more distractions, but it was very boring sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, what what tools were you using when you were working on uh, uh, computer animation? And um, in college, we learned. Well, the first year was just basic. Uh, it took a four year course, so the first year was just basic um, art stuff. Mm-hmm. So like painting, drawing, sketching, life drawing, which I took for granted and I didn't really put myself as much as I wanted to into it. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm trying to trying to learn more now. But the second year, we started first doing two D animation. Mm-hmm. So it was actually like pencil and paper. Like we had these old desks that were donated to us from this studio. Um, Disney used to have an animation studio in Florida and it went under. So they donated their old animation desks to our school. Like some of them. I think mm-hmm. some of them also went to Full Sail or something. Some other schools in the, in the area. So we, we sat down and we did like pen and paper and like had to take pictures of all the frames and put everything together. Mm-hmm. Um, but it taught us the basics. It's very similar to like how... 2D animators were the better animators on, like, the first animated movie that, like, actually had good animation, in my opinion, was, like, Toy Story. Mm. Um, All those people had never really done 3D animation before, but they were really strong 2D animators. Mm -hmm. So we kind of went from that in that as long as you know the basics and you're good at 2D animation and you know, like, how a ball is supposed to bounce and how things are supposed to actually, like, exist in in an environment Mm -hmm. that you create, um, the tools are kind of secondary, but then when we went to, I think it was later my, I think it was the second semester of my second year, we started integrating computer animation. Mm-hmm. So we were using Maya, um, and it was a generalist course. So we learned how to storyboard and how to write scripts and how to model a character and design it and texture it and rig it, which is so boring. <laughs> I don't like to do it, but at least I know how to do it. Um, and then we were able to just go in and use the, the standard, um, I guess the industry standard, uh, program, which is Maya, Mm -hmm. Autodesk Maya. Yeah. (laughs) And did you have to create a, uh, a a piece of film for the... I did. Oh my God. It hasn't (laughs) aged well. (laughs) I did a piece called, um, an alarming situation. So this is how it works. Um, you on I think it's on your second semester of your third year. You you basically have an entire semester to pitch like four different ideas for your senior film, mm-hmm. and you don't get to choose which one you do. Your teachers choose it for you, which I I'm still very salty about because I had a piece <laughs> that I really wanted to do about a vampire who like wanted to suntan. It was really funny, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> but they ended up choosing a piece for me, which was a. It's an alarm clock trying to wake up its owner for the owner's flight to Paris. Mm-hmm. And then the owner doesn't wake up and then he goes to Paris instead. Mm. <laughs> and it's like, 
it's fine. <laughs> it doesn't look great because it's four years old now and animation is like ever evolving and rendering looks so much prettier nowadays. And it was only me working on it for an entire year. Mm. But it's also like I had to I, I from the beginning, I was like, this isn't the story I wanted to do, but I'm going to do it anyway because there's nothing else. <laughs> there's nothing I can do to keep this. So, mm -hmm. yeah, we, we each had to work on a senior film. We, were, we had chances to work with people. Mm -hmm. Like to put together a like a team and actually like be like three people to a team and create films based on that. But I was like, I want to do it all myself. And halfway through, I was like, I've made a big mistake. <laughs> but <laughs> at least it's done. It's been four years now. <laughs> um, you, you said that the um, the tools and um, the work is always evolving. How how. Um, how often do you have to adapt what you're doing? How quickly does it change? Um, so I work in a studio-based environment. So every single year, there's a new version of Autodesk Maya and like um, some of the other Adobe programs that we use. So kind of every year. <laughs> <laughs> Although sometimes, sometimes we... Like I personally, I learned on Autodesk Maya the 2015 edition. Mm -hmm. Because they're like cars. You get like the edition of the year next, of the next year. Uh -huh. um, I learned on 2015 and 2015 is the one I feel most comfortable in. But every single year, like January rolls around and you're like, all right, well, time for me to sit down and figure out what, <laughs> what changed here. So there's always like a week of us having to just kind of play around with the program and re-familiarize ourselves with it. Mm -hmm. And with every single edition, there's a different thing that goes wrong. And <laughs> it's a great program. I love it. Please. Please auto this, Maya. Don't 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 come at me. But <laughs> it's it's like a yearly thing. Mm -hmm. Although when it comes to my illustration stuff, which is mostly stuff I do on the side or like as like freelance work, um, I I've always stuck to Photoshop like 2015 edition, and I haven't had to update it yet. And they haven't let me update it, so <laughs> <laughs> so I've 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 been lucky in that end. But yeah, it's always you always have to kind of learn learn it not only new programs because we use different programs now for our, our new show, mm -hmm. but also like new additions of programs, which is annoying, but at the end it ends up making our lives better. It's just annoying. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, when, when you graduated from college, uh, where did you go from there? What was the... Um, when I was in between my junior and senior year, mm -hmm. so between third and fourth year, I was lucky enough to have an internship in Atlanta, Georgia, working as a generalist 3D intern for Cartoon Network Games. Mm -hmm. So I worked as a, a kind of like a, 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 a modeler, texture animator for Adventure Time Battle Party, which is a browser-based MOBA game for Adventure Time. Rest in peace. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite shows <laughs> just ended. Um, and when I was there, I learned kind of how to work in a studio environment which is completely different than working at school mm -hmm. mostly by yourself. Uh, and then from there, I did my internship. It was paid, thankfully. Not great, but it was paid. Mm -hmm. um, I finished my internship, went back to school, graduated school, and then I contacted my bosses at Cartoon Network and was like, hey, can hey, I just graduated. Y'all said you were interested in like giving me a job. And they were like, we were all laid off. And I was like, oh, okay. So I ended up not being able to come back to Cartoon Network because no one that I knew was there. Just kind wow. of a reality of the industry. Um, mm -hmm. 
I ended up doing a lot of freelance work, moved back to Puerto Rico, stayed in Brazil for a little bit. Um, worked at a small studio. It's not even worth mentioning, so I don't think it exists anymore in Puerto Rico mm-hmm. called Gladius uh, for a little bit. And then while I was there, I applied to a bunch of jobs in the United States, in mainland U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh wasn't getting anything, saved up a bunch of, lived with my parents. So like I saved up a bunch of money that I was making at, not a bunch, but like enough yeah. money that I was making at my small studio job and ended up buying a one-way ticket to San Francisco, um, staying in my friend's kitchen floor <laughs> for two months until I got an interview that they flew me out to Austin, Texas mm-hmm. for the studio called Armature Studio where I worked for about six months and it was my first like job out of college Mm -hmm. relocated to austin it was video games so i did get laid off with like half the studio (laughs) because that's the reality of the of the industry i already knew Mm -hmm. um and then once i was laid off i felt a little lost went to starbucks for a bit you know as as artists do Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i went to a um i remember going to i don't remember exactly what it was but it was like a animator meetup at a bar mm-hmm. because i was like i need to meet more meet people because i have to socialize and i have to network and i'm new to this i'm new to this city so i don't really know anyone except like my coworkers. and now they can't give me a job because <laughs> they're still there or like they're also jobless so i ended up talking to these people we switched resumes and then the next day i remember i, I got i got really drunk and then i went home in a cab and I went to sleep and then I woke up and it was a call from this guy at Rooster Teeth. I was like, hey, our, our re- your resume was passed forward from this guy that I just met at the bar last night. Mm-hmm. Um, would you like to come in for an interview? And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> give me like 10, like 15 minutes. They're like, oh, it's fine. Give, we'll see you at 4 p.m. So I took a shower, got dressed, got very pretty. Drove to the studio, had an interview, and then I the next day I had an offer, and I started working there, and that was in May of 2015. Mm. Wow! And I've kind of been there ever since. Um, I, there was like two months in between that I worked at Zynga, working on the slots game, which was really good. Mm-hmm. It was really really fun team, but then I just came back to Rooster Teeth as a full time employee. Mm-hmm. Again, <laughs> realities of the industry. It's not really. Um, it's really hard to find a full time job mm. with like benefits and stuff, at least in Texas. You're right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what kind of work are you doing at Rooster Teeth? I work as a 3D animator mm-hmm. um, for our currently our new show, Genlock, which is a mech show written and directed by Gray Mardigan, but uh, we all have a little bunch of input. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to be a lead 3D animator on the first season of Ruby Chibi. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I was lead for that part and then i stepped down to just be a normal 3d animator because it was a bunch of administrative stuff that i wasn't really comfortable doing yet and i felt very new Mm. so i i stepped down um but it's honestly been really cool to just be a 3d animator (laughs) because i mean i get to i get to do what i really like to do which is animating and i'm i'm personally not someone that likes to be in a lead role i hope that makes sense mm-hmm. <laughs> i think a lot of people are very comfortable doing leadership and i totally ca- I, I was an ra in college i can totally be a leader but i kind of don't want to i just want to animate and make cartoons <laughs> <laughs> i hope that makes sense yeah um so you're in austin and you mentioned san francisco and mm-hmm. um georgia uh, or atlanta 
Um, are they are, are there like considered um, regions and hubs for this kind of work for animation? Are there, are there places that people collect and uh, and work from? Or yeah, they are. Um, I think the the Bay Area used to be a very mm-hmm. big place for animation. I mean, it still is. I mean, Pixar's out there. There's a bunch of other small studios out there, not like specifically video game stuff or like animation stuff, but also like advertising and stuff mm-hmm. too. Uh, but it's gotten so expensive to live there. <laughs> I think a lot of people are moving to Austin, right. which makes me very upset because now it's expensive to live in Austin <laughs> because of that. Um, but yeah, I think I know that Georgia is the one of the biggest hubs for television animation mm-hmm. because Turner is there and then with Turner and the Adult Swim is there. Floyd's is there like Archer is done there. There's a lot of different studios that do stuff specifically for TV, like Bob's Burgers. Mm-hmm. Bob's Burgers is done in, in Georgia as well. I think I think it's because of tax cuts, but I'm not exactly <laughs> sure. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, film work that yeah, goes on there as I'm well. Pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. I'm 100% sure. I ended up being um, an extra on The Walking Dead when I lived in, in Georgia because it was just like, we need a free extra. And I was like, yeah, I want to look like a zombie. And mm-hmm. they were like, no photos. And I was like, oh, okay, whatever. I can tell people <laughs> I did this then. Um, yeah, there's a bunch of television stuff in Georgia. Uh, I used to, I lived in New York for a little bit, like really like a month mm-hmm. on, again, on my friend's kitchen floor, like between, between me moving out of Puerto, out of Florida and then me moving to Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'll try New York. And I love New York from the bottom of my heart. I don't think I can ever live there again. <laughs> it's very stressful and I'm not strong enough. I'm a very weak, soft person. <laughs> Uh, which is, is funny because Texas is kind of known for being like the guns blazing state. But mm-hmm. uh, I know Texas is a very big hub for video game animation, which is what originally brought me here. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, we have Bioware here. We have uh, a, oh, we have a bunch. <laughs> I'm trying to remember which ones are still here. But we have a lot of studios and there's a lot of people who move here specifically to do video game animation. Um, mm-hmm. But... Yeah, it's it's become a hub and it's very it's very nice. I like Austin, Texas a lot. Honestly, the people are sweet <laughs> and the the everyone's very nice and sometimes there's an asshole, but that's probably someone from not Austin, mm-hmm. probably from like Fugerville or something. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry if you're from there. Sometimes people are mean, but that's anywhere in this country really. Yeah. Um the the video video game industry is um uh, it, it, is it something that is very transient or is it vibrant or it, it, is it just like something that you can drop in and out of in, in your line of work? It is, it is more of like a drop in and out thing from what I've seen. Mm-hmm. So I, I've only worked, most of my jobs that aren't Rooster Teeth have been in the video game industry. So I worked as an animator on ReCore uh, when I was at Armature. And then I worked and I think it was the, oh, uh, I think it, I don't remember what the slots game was that I worked on when I was at Zynga, but it's very much like a, I got lucky getting a full-time job out of college, Mm -hmm. but then I got laid off. And then every single offer that I've had since then has been contract or very much like, this is a contract for two years. Mm -hmm. For two years, you're set. And then once the two years are done, it's very much a question mark. So it's a very, at least in Austin or in Texas, it's a whole state because I've heard the same thing coming from my friends up in Dallas. Mm -hmm. It's a very, um, kind of hand-to-mouth industry Mm -hmm. in that they know that the demand is there, but they 
because Texas lets them, <laughs> they don't have to actually give you like benefits and stuff. Mm, so yeah. they kind of take advantage for, of that. Yeah. Yeah. It sadly seems like that's like a, a big push at the moment. And a lot of, uh, um, especially in, in creative fields, a lot of people are feeling that, that, yeah, I've heard I've heard the same from in from industries in LA because I have a lot of friends who are storyboard artists mm-hmm. and they just keep going from like studio to studio. Yeah, yeah, and it's I mean, it sucks, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just kind of the reality of the industry right now. And I can complain as much as I want, but at the end of the day, this is still not as like if it gets really bad, I'm not going to be working in this industry anymore, but it hasn't gotten that bad enough. So like knock on wood, yeah. but I won't, Then <laughs> <laughs> nothing bad will happen. I have a little wood block. There we go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, is your, the, the day job, is that uh, a big time consumption for you or are you able to do your own work around that? And so I work, um, my day job is rooster teeth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like, I, I work um, full time at rooster teeth as an animator. It, it's in the office so it's not like a remote job it is very time consuming mostly because the industry is very time consuming and we don't have (laughs) overtime laws or anything so we kind Mm -hmm. of push ourselves to work as much as we can or as much as we think we need to Mm -hmm. uh it's something that i think a lot of us have been trying to get better about Mm because our quality of life has can easily just like go down (coughs) <coughs> if we're being forced to if we're being forced to work like 80 hour weeks mm-hmm. four weeks four four weeks in a row um and we've been trying to get better about that hmm. it's i call it a day job because it, it i started off and i really liked it and i still really do but it's still a job mm-hmm. <laughs> you know <laughs> it's still something that i need to go i go there and i do the work that's needed for me and then i go home and i do my personal work mm-hmm. But thankfully, it's one of the better ones that I've had. So, <laughs> so it's, it's it's not as draining, but it's still a job. Mm-hmm. What is the personal work that you're working on at the moment? Oh, excuse you. Mm. Um, I do my I do my own personal uh, animations. Like I'm working on a short film, just like on my off time for the past like two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's I need to actually sit down <laughs> and work on but because I, I give myself too much leeway I think but a lot of it also is illustration stuff so I do illustrations for some friends that are um, announcing like books and I do a lot of like commission work mm-hmm. for just like helping my, my family's from Puerto Rico again so we I still have a lot of friends and family that have been affected by Hurricane Maria mm-hmm. so I do like rolling commissions on that and I dedicate like at least like one or two hours every night to working on commissions to just get money that I can send back to them. Yeah, yeah, you've you've um, raised quite quite a bit for the. Uh, yeah, dude. Oh my god, I I was doing my taxes last year, and I last year was like the biggest push that I had because I, I it was right when the hurricane happened, which was like about a year ago, mm-hmm. and in September. So I I did a lot of commissions, and I went to I go to conventions as well, like as a guest, mm. um, for Mooster Teeth. It's, it's a nice little side job. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's very fun. And I get to sell work. Um, and at least 50% of what I get from that goes towards um, a local charity or a local charity in Puerto Rico or towards like my friends. And it's like at the end, I, at the end of the year yesterday, like last year, I'm sorry. At the end of the year last year, I had raised like $15,000. And I was like, what? Mm. <laughs> 
So, I mean, I need to, I need to probably be more open about the stuff that I raise because I promise I'm putting it towards good stuff, mm. but <laughs> it's, it's a lot of numbers and I'm not, I'm not normally good with numbers. So, um, do you find, um, the, is the, the current environment and like the, you know, you have the combined, um, I'm trying to think of how to put this. Did just the, like the dream of mm-hmm. living under the current administration and the fact that um, Hurricane Maria happened and that it's just so disregarded and and um, seen as like not a real thing by by many <laughs> people here. Yeah, is is that something that is like is that just draining or does that push you it's to exhausting. do more? Or, yeah, yeah. I'll be really honest with you. It's exhausting. Mm-hmm. It's um, when I was when I went to college as a Puerto Rican. Like I always felt. I don't know if it's because like everyone in Florida knows where Puerto Rico is because mm-hmm. it's so close <laughs> and everybody knows that the Puerto Ricans are American citizens. Yeah. Um, but there was never like a gap between like me being Puerto Rican and all my other friends like being from like Texas and stuff, you know? Yeah. It was always like, oh, we're both Americans. We both speak English. We both like art. Like just deal with, we'll deal with it. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Like you have different experiences than I do too. My school also has like a really big international student population. So like I think we're involved like very like specially especially accepting mm-hmm. did i say that correctly yeah um but since graduating and moving around i think because we weren't in that bubble of like everybody being understanding and being kind of like in the same wavelength when it came to certain political issues or like certain ways that you should treat a human which is with respect <laughs> uh it's it's been exhausting mm-hmm. and Again, I've been personally, I've been really lucky to live in Texas, which also has like a very high Hispanic population. Mm-hmm. So when whenever there's like an issue that affects like Hispanic Americans or that affects like people from Mexico, like everyone kind of bands together as like, oh, we, we all speak Spanish. We might be from different places, but we all speak Spanish. We band together and we understand and we have a very good support group. Um, in our local mm-hmm. administration, uh, our local um, government, but it's exhausting. Like I can't, I can't really go into onto like Twitter mm-hmm. or like Facebook more than like a few times a day because I just see so much stuff going on. And like whenever I wake up in the morning, I have a little Amazon Alexa and I go like, Alexa, play the news. Mm-hmm. And like four days out of five. Like, it'll just be some fucked up stuff that's happening. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just like, oh, I, I really shouldn't do this in the morning because I am, like, starting off my day and I'm already going to be angry. Mm-hmm. But it's... I I grew up in an environment where we... My mother is an immigrant. My dad's an immigrant. We, we're all very white passing, but, like, we grew up, like, being different from the people around us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we learned to, and I learned this through my family, learned to just kind of find positivity in anything that ends up happening to you. Mm -hmm. So the way that I've been dealing with it is like doing these commissions or like going to, going to conventions and like doing charity work and like my, like raising money for like my mother's like health stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, It's been, it's been rewarding in the sense of like, yeah, this all this like really bad stuff is happening and people don't believe that like 3,000 of us did pass away and that 3,000 of us like, that people are still um, 
struggling in in an American state. Like American people are still dying mm-hmm. and not having water. But there's nothing that I personally can do to save all of to to fix all of this. But I can do yeah. a little bit to at least fix part of it. So yeah. I've been donating to local local communities. I have I've had friends that um I've had friends who lived in the areas where like they still have a blue tarp and we've been helping raise money to like make it so that they can actually build mm-hmm. their roof up again. And it's 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 trying to do as much as you can without exhausting yourself. Yeah. Because if you're not able to if you're not able to do anything at the end of the day, like that's you're just gonna end up getting burnt out and not gonna be able to help as much as you can. Yeah. That's, that's the I hope that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, there's a very fine line between um, uh, like self care and mm-hmm. and and not ignoring, but like not engaging fully because the yeah, news is exactly. so so aggressively depressing all the time. But yeah, and I've I've gotten to the point where like some some someone on my Facebook like account would like say some like racist stuff or like something like oh Puerto Rican should have just evacuated or something mm-hmm. and then I'll, I won't e- I won't even engage I'll just like unfriend them yeah. and just like not deal with it <laughs> because it's it takes so much energy to just like yell at someone mm-hmm. or just like try and change their mind and I've never been able to change anyone's mind on the internet so I don't know why <laughs> people keep trying <laughs> And it's it's I know it might be an unpopular opinion and like I'm not saying that people shouldn't stand up for like what they want to what they what needs to be changed. So you should. Mm-hmm. But you also need to to take care of yourself before being able to take care of others. Yeah. Yeah. Is um is your work part of that taking care of yourself? Is there do, do you still get the do you still find enjoyment and relaxation in it or is it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um I think not so much in animation is as illustration, I think, mm-hmm. mostly because animation is what I do every single day. <laughs> so it's fun to make cartoons, but at the end of the day, like it ends up making cartoons work. And so you can't really go watch like a cartoon show about like in the back of your mind, at least being like, oh, this is different. This is this is weird. Like I would do it this way. Mm-hmm. It sucks. It's a, it's a curse. But when it came to illustration stuff, since it wasn't since it wasn't what I was doing as a job, mm-hmm. I was able, I'm, and I'm still able to like sit down and like draw some people's faces and like draw a nice little postcard for like someone to give as a gift to someone mm-hmm. or illustrate my friend's book and still have it feel relaxing to me. Mm-hmm. Because if, if my work with animation is so anxiety inducing, because like deadlines and stuff, and like with this kind of stuff, like normally, especially when someone's like, take your time, I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's the best thing anyone's ever said to me. <laughs> So it's 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 a lot of self-imposed anxiety, mm-hmm. but I I've been able to keep that at bay for now. Mm. Watch you talk to me in like two months, <laughs> and I'll be like, I can't. Everything's so stressful. <laughs> I hope not. Um, what are the conventions that you do when you're, <coughs> when you're conventioning? Hmm. Uh, when you go to conventions, what what kind of conventions are you going to, or which places are you going to? Oh, I normally go to I normally go to anime conventions. Mm-hmm. Um, I go with my friend, um, very close friend of mine, Samantha Noe Hart, who is a voice actress, mm-hmm. and she used to be an animator as well. Um, she's kind of well known in like the voice acting community, quote unquote. She has a really high pitched voice, and she's very energetic. But we and we ended up connecting because I was doing a panel with her at Rooster Teeth 
Expo RTX, which is our, our convention that we do in Austin, Texas every year. Mm-hmm. We did a panel about anime and we ended up talking and she she's a cancer survivor. Mm-hmm. So all of the work that she does for her conventions, like a lot of the money that's donated goes towards paying her medical bills or paying for um, or goods donated to the associations that helped her when she was going through through cancer. Mm-hmm. So we kind of got together and that like, hey, I also do a lot of charity work. Let's start working together. Mm. So I, whenever a con invites her out, she'll normally be like, hey, but like, what if we get like a two for one deal <laughs> where like we can just share a table and just like, here's my friend. And she also does stuff for Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. So we connected through that both wanting to to raise money yeah. for charities that um, mean a lot of a lot for us. So it's it's been fun. But it's mostly anime conventions mm-hmm. because the shows that I work I work on are kind of like Japanese animation, anime mm-hmm. style. And she's a voice actress for like English adaptations of anime shows. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I love anime. <laughs> so it's kind of a thing that I know. Um, yeah, that's most of the conventions that I go to. Mm. Why do you think it's it's uh, so popular at the moment, anime? I mean, it's always been... Um, when I was younger, it was like a very mm-hmm. fringe and, and um, uh, specialty thing. that you, yeah. had to, you had to really... Uh, search out and find it but it's honestly i think it's because the people that grew up watching anime on tv like me mm-hmm. like are out there making the cartoons mm-hmm. now like that's 100 percent the reason why yeah like there's a very big like on the other side there's also like a very big nostalgia boom right now where like everyone's like oh i remember back when like Rocco's modern night life and like um like rugrats and all oh, those shows are so good and so people are pulling back onto the other shows that we used to watch growing up as well mm-hmm. Uh, and so shows like Steven Universe end up getting created, which is like a very, very deeply like rooted anime um, I- influence mm-hmm. in it. So I think I honestly think that's why. Also, it's also because Hot Topic is monetizing on the, <laughs> on the nostalgia factor. Yeah. So they're just making a bunch of really cool Naruto shirts and stuff. Yeah. And everyone's like, yeah, I love that. <laughs> I think also because it's a lot more accessible. Like growing up, I didn't have like Netflix mm-hmm. and stuff. Like Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico was already like very behind on technology, like as an island. <laughs> so we didn't get DVDs until like I was in like high school, and so we were just I had like VHS tapes. I had to go to Suncoast Video and just like get like a really really old show and just watch it on a VHS mm-hmm. tape. So yeah, mm-hmm. I think which shows I think that's do you remember? Do you remember which shows mm-hmm. you were watching? Do you remember which shows you were watching yeah. to put you into it? Um, I think I, I remember growing up watching a lot of Saint Seiya, mm-hmm. which I think I watched in Brazil because it was very popular in Latin America. Mm. I watched a lot of Rosa Versailles. I had a very big crush on Oscar. <laughs> I still love her. She's one of my favorite characters. I watched um, a lot of old shoujo like Candy Candy or like, I'm trying to remember. There was, um, oh, there was a tennis one that I can't exactly remember the name right now. Mm. But it was it was like in the same style of Rosa Versailles, a very like hyper feminine like tennis show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then I just watched kid stuff like Doraemon, which I played on TV in Brazil, mm-hmm. and Rama one half a little bit old, a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember growing up. I mean, my mom my mom is also an anime fan, mm-hmm. which is really funny to some people because they're like, "Well, your parents watch anime," and I'm like, "Hell yeah!" <laughs> um, my mom loved uh, Gundam growing up. Mm-hmm. And she loved Fist of the North Star, mm. and she loved the... I remember we had a cassette tape of the JoJo's Bizarre Adventure OVA from, like, the 80s. Yeah. 
growing up, but I used to watch. And there's a there's a really funny story actually. So, my mom was one that liked cartoons. So like, but like none of her siblings did. Mm-hmm. So, when I went to visit by myself, I was like I think eight eight or nine years old. My uncle was like, oh, I'm gonna give her. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give my nice little uh, my niece. Uh, you know, an, a, a manga, a cool manga. So he went to the newsstand and he bought this manga that was in a plastic cover and it was the first issue of of Berserk, Mm -hmm. like the manga Berserk. And then he was like, oh, this looks really cool. I want my niece to be really cool too. And then he gave it to me. And the thing he didn't know is that the plastic covers are on because it means that there's like a bunch of explicit content in it. (laughs) So I I was like a a nine-year-old girl and I opened up this this manga. I was like, yeah, I'm going to read this. And the first page of the manga is like the main character guts like, having like deep penetrative sex with like a woman (laughs) and i remember being like wow okay thanks uncle and i read the whole thing and it was really cool but i was like looking back at it i was like oh my god no no that was porn i shouldn't have been reading that so i i don't even yeah i don't remember what the question was that's just the funniest story that's ever happened to me (laughs) Yeah, my my son is um, he's, he's ten at the moment, and he's really into anime. And there's there was a part of me that we would go to stores and we'd, he'd try and pick out a book, and I was uh-huh. trying to be like, you know, I'll flick through it quickly and see if there's anything. But then I kind of realized that's part of like the, you know, it's it's something that he's chosen. It's his world, and mm-hmm. and you know, I trust him enough to yeah, make those so choices. Like as long and, as it's like it's not like, yeah. So as long as it's not like actual pornography because i used to yeah. go to blockbuster and blockbuster had the anime section and the anime section was just porn <laughs> so i was never allowed to get anything from there but yeah as long as it's not like very very like way too explicit yeah then i think i'm okay with that but it's also cool to just like that you're letting him have make his own choices yeah yeah he's a good kid that's good yeah <laughs> um so for your for your work where would you want people to find you and oh um, I'm mostly on Twitter. I should post a lot. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I post a lot of stuff on, on, on Twitter and Instagram as well. My handle is Irie Smile. So it's A-I-R-I-S-M-I-L-E. That's smile like the thing that you do with your mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's mostly where I don't, I don't really have a Patreon or anything. I don't have time for <laughs> all that stuff. <laughs> but if you want to just talk to me, like, I feel like I'm pretty accessible. Mm-hmm. And I hope I'm nice. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. I'll, I'll put some links in the uh, the show notes. But thank you so much for, for talking Awesome. With thank me. you so much. Thank you. That's it for the show. We'll be back in two weeks. You can find us online at whoiampodcast.com and contact us by email at whoiam at gmail.com or by phone at 818-308-4066. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, there is a submissions form on the site. We're also on iTunes where you can leave a rating if you feel inclined. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Jamie Gamble, and this was This Is Who I Am.